Are you looking for that perfect piece to be the focal point of your fan cave or something that will light up your office? Fly the Wood Designs <laughs> creates unique custom made-to-order lighted wood pieces to highlight your favorite team, company logo, or whatever you're looking for. One client said they took my logo and made it better. Easily work with them and create exactly what you envision or give them artistic freedom to create something incredible. Many of these attention-grabbing pieces are displayed in spaces of Cubs players, businesses, and corporate offices. Find Fly the Wood Designs on social at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also contact the wood artist, Bill Watts, at woodflags1 at gmail.com. Fly the Wood, Fan Cave Bar and Home Decor. William, stop that real quick. Stop that. William's not listening to production again. This Friday night... Actually, tonight, if you're thinking about it, Aroma, Crystal Lake, John Benick will be playing from, what is it, William, 7 to 9.45? 7.30? 7 o'clock, I think. I think it's 7 to 9. Going to be a bunch of Club 400 members out there. There's no cost to get in. Johnny's going to put on a completely different show from last time. There's, and we're going to give away a big check that day to Ruthie. Saturday, if you're around, please come out to Output, Wrigleyville, Chicago, at 5 o'clock as Tom Ranto and the Ranchers and a bunch of great Cub fans will hit bars all around Wrigley Field singing Danny's Unbelievable Christmas Carol, some at which he played here at the Christmas party. All right, William. All aboard! <laughs> I, 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 And the Club 400 podcast is on the air in a brand new. It looks brand new. It smells like soap down here, doesn't it? Like, whoa, 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 whoa is all I got to say. We did it again. You're cutting me off in the middle of our production thing. Yeah. I What's told that all about? So I always tell William. The production value of the show quality is going downhill. So he runs yeah. the board, everybody, okay? He runs the board. I and people, he, I think people, if they just looked at us, probably know that. <laughs> so I told him that we always have a lineup of what we're going to do. So William, play Bill Watts. William, I'm going to come in and talk about the two events this weekend <laughs> and then play the opening track, and then we'll talk about the Christmas party. Yeah, this is on the laminated sheet order of everything we're doing today. <laughs> oh, no, wait. We didn't talk about it. But anyway. Well, man, um, first of all. What a party. Grade the party, will you? Uh, on a scale from A plus to what F, uh, it's a, it was an A plus. I think it was great. I mean, you know what? You know, we can't say it's the best one ever. No, we can't say it's the best there's one ever. Too, there's way too many of them now that are in the best one ever category. But you're, you're right. Something could only be so good, right? But I will say this. I think there's three different types of parties. Now, I'm going to make a third category. We have the big parties. We have the smaller parties. And we have the Christmas party. Sure. And I got to be honest. I think the Christmas party is the one closest to my heart. Yeah, well, we've done a lot of great things for people. 
for the Christmas parties, we generally do smaller, you know, needs or ask her. And a lot of times we're not even asked. That's why we call it the Club 400 Christmas Surprise, William. And um, we did have, we had a very insightful conversation the other night with um, our good friend, Mike Gomel. Yes. Uh, regarding the Joey song event, which we'll touch on later. But um, one of the things he, he was talking about, we were talking about how great it is to raise money for somebody and somebody that's closer to you. And, you know, there's definitely joy that it brings you when you get $75,000 check that you're giving to Special Olympics. I know personally a good five to ten people that have Down syndrome, and that makes me feel like really, really good for them or whatever. But the odds that they, maybe they'll benefit from that money somehow, like through research or whatever. But when you can help somebody out that you're, you know, that you know, that you see all the time, you you had mentioned some of the different Christmas parties we had. We raised money for uh, Tegan, who's a local uh, student here. I saw her in the paper the other day, William. In her wheelchair, and by what, the way. What was she doing over there, our good she friend She had a Tegan. job at uh, Blessed Little Kitchen, which is in Huntley. I think she works there on Wednesdays, if I recall. But she literally goes in and... They wheel her right up to the desk, and she's she takes cash. She you know, probably loves it, man. She oh, loves yeah, it. Yeah. Everybody knows her. Well, everybody goes in at that time yeah. to see her, you know, working right. and stuff. So that's super cool. But it was the chair that yeah, we got. I was right. like, that's awesome, man. That was in the paper the other day. Uh, who was our guest for the chair? Yeah. I mean, our, that was our, Wayne and Kathy. Oh, was it Wayne and Kathy? Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. By the way, they they surprised us and showed up. Well, and wow, can they sing? They're the best. They, that was I, a different I, version. I asked them if I asked Kathy. I said, "Would you guys mind? It is a Christmas party. If you would sing the national anthem." And Wayne was out parking the car down the street at the time. And she goes, oh, "I'll ask him. I'm, I don't see why not. I love to personally." So uh, no, they Wayne I went up there. He was hilarious. Dude. I didn't the think we were, a comedian. I think we were going to get him off the mic. He was like Stu on the mic. He was that night, but yeah, but uh, that was a different version of the song than I've ever heard. That, that was they're so good. Well, I think that was the, the Sunday version of them. I, yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's a little different with her. Yeah, you know, so yeah, no, uh, and then and then you know those of us who watched the Bears game the next day got to see him doing it again at Soldier Field. I know the guys. He's got more stamina than me. It sure does. I, I was in bed till 10 in the morning. <laughs> I promise you. Like, while he was probably arriving the soldier field, I was still sleeping. While he was doing his voice exercises, <laughs> you were snoring away. Yeah, I thought it was a great night. Mike Talkman was our guest uh, uh, from Palatine, Good the Palatine guy. Pounder. He, he actually wrote Palatine Pounder on my wall as he signed the wall. Nice. So I don't think, like, there's rumors out there that we shouldn't talk about the Palatine Pounder thing because I guess on, I mean, it was the score. He didn't but, take too kind to it, but you know it's like anything else. Some things grow on you. We didn't discuss this at all since the party, but did you sell any of the Palatine Pounder shirts? Not as many as we would like. Well, to. Well, they weren't front and center because well, you know, we didn't want to upset him. Yeah, and you know that was one of the that we yeah. I mean, they were upstairs. We, we opened up the party to the middle floor. My main part. We opened up my house to you to all you Club Four Hundred listeners out there who went to the party. Uh, because we just thought we'd space it out a little bit. I didn't want to spend any money on tents or stages or tables or heaters outside. I didn't know how what the weather was going to be, but we got great weather. Yeah, you know, you could go out and smoke a cigarette if you wanted to that night. And uh, no, it just—I think the whole night flowed. And I thought the Q and A that uh, our good friend John May Lee, 
uh, did with Mike was awesome. I think Mike was a really great speaker. And, and so, which you're going to hear that tonight, by the way, right, William? Yeah, that's why we're here. We're breaking out the party, the live yeah, party episode here. Going to hear the Q and A. Are you going to put any Christmas songs on this? Of course. So Danny Rocket, of course, from Sun Ranters, which I said they're going to be doing Christmas caroling Saturday at Output Ridleyville in Might Chicago even be at five. One of his. Are you going to come down to Output, William? We'll talk about that after the show. You know, you here's the thing about William. You know, the commitments are hard to get nowadays. Everything's like a maybe, maybe could be, uh, let me see. Listen, or, I, have, I have a new agent. I, I mean. <laughs> He's keeping me hopping. It's harder to book William than it is to book like well, a lot of these people that I'm trying to get. Yeah. You know. No, it's myself and uh, Sho, Shoei Utani are the two busiest, uh, you know. There ain't much going on at 1050 uh, Waveland Avenue, man. <laughs> no, there's that. I'd say 1050. 10, yeah. 10.60. Yeah, 10.50.60. Whatever. <laughs> well, right. Get there. <laughs> if you plug that in your thing, you'll get there. No, I'm sure. questioning myself. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Brian McRae stopped by. You know, I was going to mention him when you were listing off some of the people who stopped by. What a great dude he is. I got, uh, you know, we talk about at some of these parties, you know, you're running around doing a lot of stuff, and um, this wasn't one of those where it, it needed as many people running around doing stuff, but um, I got to spend a few minutes with Brian McRae, a little one-on-one time. What a great guy. Just awesome. And we were talking about his dad, you know, and his dad's Al McCray, yeah. and stuff. And because um, his dad actually grew up when I was a kid, you know, I would living up in Minnesota. I'd go see twins games. They always played the Royals. It seemed like every game they played the Royals. And so I saw Hal McRae play a hundred times, you know, and uh, actually kind of secretly liked the Royals. I don't know why, but... Um, it's the uniforms. Could have been, yeah. Could have been. It's the stadium with the... I hear we might be... The flags. I hear there's rumors that we might be going to a road trip. There. Well, you know, Brian, you know what, what's behind that is I posted on Club Farmer Public page the other day about what's your thoughts of a Kansas City trip? Because Brian McCray wants all of us to come out there, and he wants to take care of it. I don't want to say pay for it, but he wants to help us do nice. it. Nice, and he wants he's he knows people that has hotels. I've heard I've not connections been, with tickets. I've been to Arrowhead, which is phenomenal. They have barbecue restaurants there, phenomenal. And you you if you go to Arrowhead, you can see the stadium where the Royals play. It's right, right. It's the same parking lot, and uh, it looks. Phenomenal. I think we I, we got to go, dude. I'm in. Yeah. Sign me up. I mean, we got to do a road trip, guys. I'm going to be broke. We have to I do a, a road trip. I need a they new job. They are what really makes us family are these road trips. I either need a new job a bus, or, or a substantial raise. So, Mark Anderson, if you're listening here, I could use a substantial raise just to afford all the Club 400 events in 2024 because it sounds like it's going to be a busy year. Man, you know what? I finished the Christmas party and I said, I got no plans except for January 6th, Dorothy and the Joey song party. But I'm at <laughs> to <what>? when January <laughs> I'm taking so, a break. Now. You're so funny with the breaks. <laughs> well, except for tomorrow night, I got this. The, the next night, I got this. But no, other no. than that, there's nothing except these other four things in between that and the sixth. I mean, come on, dude. I know, man. You're always, you're 24-7. John Bennett's uh, uh, organ work on the Christmas party was great, as always. Phenomenal. I mean, uh, there's just, so like, talented. that's what's so good about, like, the club runner parties. Yeah, I tried to, th- I, th- I got a great space, and we have, but there's so many characters here and so many different people that make the parties, you know, what they are. Jeff Vukovic walks in from Nationwide Insurance, you know, my 
my, my, my preference for uh, insurance, William, nationwide is on your side. Jeff Vukovic, we all know who he is. With Woody, you know, yeah. good old Woody. We all love Woody. We hung out with Vuk and Woody in the suite earlier yeah. this, this past season. And it's just like Lucella brings I his mean, friends so, here. So many, like, Cub famous people. Oh, my gosh. Dignitaries. I so I got two gifts. Since oh, we yeah. this is Christmas, so I can talk about this because we got we got to move on. We got to get the in the spirit. Wait, of William game. gave me like fifteen minutes for this thing. We're already yeah. on what, William? Twelve. Okay, we're good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I got two gifts. One, well, I'll talk about the one that Lou Sella gave yeah. to me, and uh, so that one he kind of warned me about it. Has uh, we snuck me and oh, you didn't go, William? Did you? Yeah, no, you invited Sorry me and pulled it back. <laughs> Brett Watts, I think. Oh, we snuck down to see the Ryan Sandberg statue. Right, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that. Oh, sorry, Lou, but we snuck out there. I should say, <laughs> and um, it's pretty awesome. I bet it's pretty awesome, man. Um, you know, what a, he's a, what a fascinating guy. Awesome guy, awesome person to know. But he brought me a picture, a framed picture of him uh, working on the Harry Carey statue. Oh, cool. So concept like three. It was like a. It's like a trio of pictures of the production of Harry Carey statue. Nice. And I told him, that is going to find a wall, I promise you. Because who has that, The question right? is here down. I'd like to get it in here because it's that cool. Yeah. You know, the, the, the place in Chicago we'll is great. But, like, all the good stuff goes here. And speaking of what's going to go here next, and I will tell you that, guys, this. I don't um, think I've ever seen you as excited about receiving anything as this. Hey, William, Ever. remind me by the end of this, because I don't want to forget. I do want to address the Fergie Jenkins stuff, okay? You want to adjust? Ad- address the Fergie Jenkins oh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, I go to the, because I, I didn't have that on the list tonight, which I didn't make a list, but that was the thing I was going to start off with. Okay, now we're going okay, way Santa. a different direction. Okay, Santa, you don't have a list. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to the door, because I'm going to see a package at the door, right? Is the last time this happened to you when you got the bobblehead of Anthony Rizzo? I, it was just as much of a significant moment, to be honest with you. Okay. Except, it was, you know, because the Rizzo thing was coming in a huge truck, and I needed six people there to unload it. That was a little bit more captivating there. But, I mean, to get what this is as far as getting something, like, something that I've really wanted for a very long time, and then this kind of, like, the, the ironicy of it, of what... Ironicy? Is that a new word? That is a total <laughs> new word. <laughs> we will be bringing that one back. Ironicy. So, I go and I grab this box. And it's kind of heavy. It's got a little bit of weight to it. Nothing like, better than a heavy box. And I look at it because I'm like, I did not order anything. You know, this had to be something Lisa ordered. Right. And then I look at it and I see it's from Wrigley Field. Whoa. And I got a little, I got a little excited, you know. <laughs> a little woody. And I, I just know that they, they know when the Christmas party is. They're paying attention. I think they are. Hi, Cubs. I love you guys. Hi, Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. So I thought maybe it was a raffle item or something like that. And um, I bring it in the house, and I, I'm excited to see what it is. Really, I have no clue what it is. It's just that it's pretty heavy, and it's a pretty big box. So I, I slid it open, and, and I... Dude, I've never, ever got a present that actually made me, like, step back. Like, I don't know if it was the shock, but... I, I stepped back from like you open something like like a, like a snake was gonna pop out or something and bite yeah. me or whatever you know, and uh, <laughs> and then all I saw was a, like you know Wrigley Field green and I saw white lettering, 
and it was a number. And I'm like, oh, my God. You knew exactly what it was. I said, this is a scoreboard tile. Bucket list. Bucket list item for me. Like, I've all, I've have one here, uh, but it was from the 40s. It's right by the men's washroom next time you club, come to Club Phone or take a look. It's actually got small holes so you could look out and see a little bit, you know. These are solid s- steel. And uh, so I open it up. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I got a tile from the iconic scoreboard. And, I, and then I opened it up. I'm like, okay, what's the numbers? 13, 14. And I'm like, 13, 14? That's weird. You know, you expect like five, because they pretty much each score uh, panel has two numbers on it, front and back. So zero, one, two, three, four, five, whatever. So it made sense in that manner. But it was like 13. Now, how many times did they score? I don't know if it was a player's number or whatever, but it's a score. score uh, it's a, I, I verified with our good man, Tom Mormon. Which, you know, but the ironic thing about it was, was why 13, 14? And I verified that this is just by happenstance, and it's like some things are meant to be, and maybe it's a sign from the good Lord above. But at first, I'm like, 13, 14, what the heck does that mean, you know? Well, I, I opened Club 400 in 2013, and I did not start even thinking about doing charity work until 2014. So, like, this sign was meant to get in my hand, I think. And the first thing I could think of is, what do I do with this? How do I frame it? What do I make it? How do I put it in Club 400? And I think definitely I want to make it my established sign, but like a two-way sign. I'll definitely put a frame, glass frame around it, double-sided. And, and make it my established sign. And then have know? it floating so you yeah. can see both. Now we just figure out where to hang it right. so it doesn't hit anybody in the head. Like Big Jim comes over here from Monterey Day Romeo. The guy can barely fit in here himself anyways. Uh, but that's yeah, a, That's a Big Jim problem, I think. But I, I want to tell you guys, uh, it was one of the, you know, besides Tom Ricketts bringing the World Series trophy out here, it was the number two coolest thing the Cubs have done for me. He teared up. I did tear up a little bit. Not gonna you lie. Teared up. Thanks, Cubs. And I know that uh, I uh, I told Lisa, I told uh, some family members, my mom, that you know, sorry guys, you're not gonna beat this gift. So <laughs> sorry guys. Good, good luck trying. Yeah. All right. You got anything else? Special we, shout yeah. out to Pat from Cubs Authentics. Yeah, man. that is awesome. Yeah. We got a roll. Pat's a good man. Everybody. I won't even say his last name because everybody knows who he is. Pat from Cubs Authentics. He's the greatest guy ever. We no, have, we're not done yet. I know. I'm saying, oh. you know, like, come on. We haven't got to the main stuff here. Oh, there's more. <laughs> oh, there's <laughs> main stuff. <laughs> no, we. So I, we said earlier the um, recipient of the Club 400 s- surprise with Ru- Ruth, Ruth P. And we all know Ruthie, man, don't we, William? She's the we greatest, do. isn't she? She exemplifies Club 400 and what it is all about. She's one half of Patty and Ruth. Pretty much. She's the end Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> She's Dave's uh, second wife, basically. Right. You know, so, uh, but uh, she's. I don't been, know how Dave does it, man. I don't know. He's a busy man. Slays two women <laughs> at once. I mean, Dave, we got to have a Think talk. about his, like, hotel experiences, huh? Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> but one thing about Ruthie is she's at every single event, William, and she's always supports what we do. Yeah, she's so one bad. of us, man. And what I, what I kind of thought is, is. You know, we got wind of uh, some issues, and I, I, I was like, you know what? Let's do the party for Ruthie, and um, I was just so happy to be able to do it. Like I said, we gave $75,000 to Special Olympics, you know, but on Friday, tomorrow night, Friday night, we will um, 
basically have given her $7,500, uh, and she gets the Club 400 Christmas surprise, and uh, we get to get her new, a washer and dryer was a part of that, which was delivered Monday following the party, and uh, yeah, man, I'm really happy that we can make her Christmas a little bit more brighter, and there's more, no more of a deserving uh, person than Ruth, and she, like I said, she exemplifies like who we want in our group as the person who she is and the, and the love that she shares with everybody in the room whenever she's here. Yeah, and as predicted, she was crying the whole time, pretty much yeah. the, rest, the whole rest of the party. She was a waterfall. But I will say, you know, this sums her up totally. Right after uh, you told her, and I was fortunate to be right there with microphone, by the way. Um, right after you told her, though, she was like, oh, my gosh, there's got to be somebody else more deserving than me. <laughs> that was her comment. I'm like, I know, that's what she said. And, yeah. you know, I, you know, no. Yeah. She's way deserving yeah. of what we did for right. her, and like I said, man, it's not going to solve all her problems, but it sure is. Gonna, no, it's going to alleviate, you know, it sure some pressure. Gonna, yeah, you know? it'll and get things off. Yeah, to just to get her a washer smooth, and dryer. I mean, that's nice start, right? Yeah, so she just relocated recently with her daughter, and uh, yeah, you know, that's a great thing about uh, coming up to Christmas and in the new year, man. And I'm even doing it myself. Like, okay, 2024 is coming up. It's time to like. You know, there's the start over kind of a, li- a little bit and maybe going uh, the new year with a different thoughts and, you know, uh, vision, I should say. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking for a restart. I think everybody is. And, you know, you, you, know, you always have hope in what, you know, you want to accomplish. And, and, and that's that's out there. And, like, after, you know, it's a busy time of year right now. People are running around going to Christmas parties. I know. I just talked to Stoney Jabroni today. They're having a big Christmas party tomorrow night. But a lot of Christmas parties going on right now. And life's busy for a lot of people. And where was I going with that, William? I don't know, but do you remember when it was a good speech, you wasn't were it? talking about all the new stuff <laughs> you're going to do? Do you remember a couple of years ago we first started this that you and I were doing the workout, trying to lose some weight, and we were posting our workout videos <laughs> at one point? No, I don't you remember don't? that. Yeah, we did. Uh, we need to repost those. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they're still out there, but so yeah. I think that closes the book on the Club 400 Christmas party. Anything else you want to add about the party in general? Like yeah, any special just, moments? Just um, great. Just yeah. you know, it was great. It, one, one thing that's just totally awesome is when we first started talking about it and talking about the surprise being for Ruthie and stuff, and we we did talk about how we don't need a guest for this. Like people will just buy tickets, you know, for sure. Right. And, and we didn't have one, which was. Gonna, it was going to be awesome, but then Talkman and yeah, John, John Maley comes in and, and saves McRae the day. Yeah, and, right. You know, your insurance agent, Jeffukovich, yeah. uh, sculptor of the cause. I mean, yeah. Wayne, Kathleen, right? John, Benedek. one million cards. One John million cards. Yeah. Danny Rocket, Ranchers. Dave Arnold. I mean, there's Sarah Sanchez from yeah. Bleed Culpy Pulp. Crawley. <laughs> I mean, oh, Crawley. He's always here. Yeah, he is. But he's. By the way, I did go see John Vincent's show Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Look good. And here's the thing. I this is what we're going to start promoting at Club 400 very soon on social media going into the next 2024 season. All right. Here's the deal. At Rizzo Sunday night. How the hell I got there? I don't know because like you know it was a. It's the night after the Christmas party. I hear him hanging out with John Vincent and John Benedict, okay? At one point, Vincent asked Johnny to sing the National Anthem, dude. And all I got to tell you this, everybody stood up, and Johnny Benedict knocked it out of the park. Not only knocked it out of the park, but, you know, I know John. I know his talents. You can go see him Friday night, tomorrow night. 
tonight, whatever Friday. Uh, he is more talented people than people know. And I was watching people's reactions in there, and they were shocked. They were shocked at what was coming out of John's mouth and how he's playing the organ and everything. And there's no doubt in my mind, Club 400, along with all the other social media accounts, we want John Benek to be one of the first guys ever, not only to play the organ, but sing the national anthem, William. That'd be sweet. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? That'd be sweet. One thing I learned about John, I was not there, but I did see a picture with him, John Vincent, and Pat Brocky. John is John Benek. He's a tall guy. I didn't realize how tall he was. Oh, totally. <laughs> Look at. <laughs> Sorry, John. I, I mean, had to throw that out there. Like it's uh, a minute bowl. By the way, uh, congratulations to Jeremy Paparaki on his brand new TV show coming out. He said in March, I believe, and it's going to be like a late night Chicago show that he's hosting. And uh, I'm really excited for him. And he's really excited to. Uh, this is like a dream for him, he said, and to be able to get a TV show similar to like one of your, uh, you know, Saturday uh, late night shows Monday through Friday, um, but doing it locally and having a local. Uh, flavor to it so good luck to him we're gonna be promoting him in the future uh we need to have him on as a guest we do and he has not been to club 400 yet we need to have him to club 400 that's and rude as a guest. that's rude that is rude. as my daughter would say that's rude that's rude <laughs> are we done now? no no we got more we're gonna almost end this here but um i went on a rant yesterday guys uh, uh, Fergie Jenkins, all right. And I just oh. want to—I just want to clarify everything that's going on here for those who, because you know, I'm—I'm I'm pretty weak when it comes to social media. I don't put my opinions out there too much because we're a charity group. Because you do have opinions. I do have opinions, like everybody does. But anyway, some good, some bad, some wrong, some right. You know, that's the human being. But uh, anyways, I went. It was Fergie Jenkins' birthday the other day, and I went to wish him a happy birthday on social media. Through all my social media accounts, because we love Fergie, man. He's one of the greatest. Who doesn't love Fergie? And I do love him as a person more than even a baseball player, because honest with you, I didn't see him play baseball. I know Fergie from coming out here, uh, you know, going out to lunch with him and uh, him bringing my brother pancakes and him doing my fantasy camp and him supporting me at other events here at Club 400. The man that he is and all the things that he's gone through his entire life, man. The guy's had a... Crazy, crazy life. He's been he's a unbelievable pitcher, but I tell you this, he's even a better person. And like I, 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 I love Fergie, man. I really do. I love him. When he's around, man, he's always positive. He's always happy. He's always jovial. I never see. I've never seen him in a bad light whatsoever. And um, but basically, you know, in baseball, man, you got you know, sometimes you hire people to represent you. you Leeches. Know? I call them leeches. <laughs> I did call somebody, you know, that was like, are you called, you know, I'm a leech. And, but you know what? It's well-deserved. I wouldn't call someone a leech if I didn't really believe that they were a leech. And I kind of wanted to explain myself to you guys because it was last Cubs convention, all right? 2023 Cubs convention. We already had the uh, uh, Cubs fantasy camp booked. It was completely booked. And um, we went up to where the Cub VIPs hang out, and that's where all the, pl- the all the players go to get free food and eat, and they take care of them. That's just sweet up there. So we got access to that, and sure enough, I see Fergie Jenkins. You know, 
And Fergie's like, Fergie, what's up, man? Are you ready? Are you ready for fantasy camp? Because we're leaving fantasy camp like a week later, you know. And he's like, hey, Stu, what's up? And it's like, you know, like I said, man, he's awesome. He lights up a room and, he, and he's this big smile and his eyes look at you, you know. And um, and all of a sudden, he, uh, he's like, yeah, I want to introduce you to this guy named Brad. I'm like, hey, Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? And he's like, oh, yeah, I represent Fergie now. I'm like, hey, nice to meet you, man. Cool, awesome, man. Yeah, my name's Stu, Club 400, whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, you're not going to uh, Arizona this year you're with us? That's crazy, man. He's like, well, you know, I wasn't invited, whatever. I'm like, I'll tell you what, man. And this is a short version of it, but I'll tell you what. Club 400 will fly you out there, right? We'll get you a hotel room. You come out and hang out with Fergie. You represent him, and we'll make you, make you part of the weekend, you know? And we can go out gambling. We can get to know each other, hang out, have a few beers, you know, and really have a great weekend. All, all right, all right. So I invited him to come out to Las Vegas, guys. And, um, you know, thinking I'd see him, he never showed up one time the entire fantasy camp. The only time that he pretty much came to see me was to pick up the check for Fergie Jenkins, you know. And the guy, <laughs> he, I mean, he's one of those guys that he won't, won't look you in the eye type guys. But um, let's put it this way. He basically, went, we went up to him. He, we had we had all the everything signed, sealed, and delivered. And what we paid Fergie Jenkins double what Randy Henley's fantasy camp paid him, and he was only going to be there half the time, so it was a win. He was making double the amount of money being there last time. And one of the deals was he was supposed to golf with our head sponsors and me. Well, Brad cut that out in the mix, man. He would not let Fergie go golfing with us, even though it was part of the deal. Because supposedly we got too much of a good deal on getting Fergie out, which I said I double paid the guy, you know. And then, like, Nicole uh, happenstancely sits by him on the plane on the way home, and all he does is rips the shit out of me, you know. And so I don't really have that much interaction with this guy. Who was ripping on you? Brad? Yeah, Brad. And he was basically saying how we didn't have the proper security for Fergie. He's, like, totally, like, dude, we're in Vegas. Like, we went and played uh, blackjack one night, and we had a private table, but he was pissed that we didn't have, like, security from the car to the, you know. It's like, give me a break. You know, it's Vegas. No one even knows who Fergie. I mean, you know what I'm saying? When you're walking in the casino right, with tons right. of people in there, you put security around somebody, you get more attention, you know. Right. And we're going to a private table, by the way, that we had set up previously. So anyways, like, I and I really don't have much interaction with that guy. And what really got me mad was is uh, we had a... a, a, a I think a Sun-Times, Rob Meach, I think from the Sun-Times, I believe I got that right, wrote an article, but wasn't the Tribune, but wrote an article, he wanted to come out and write an article about Club 400 doing this fantasy camp in Las Vegas, and when he went out there, he actually got uh, to meet with Fergie, and he talked to Fergie for like a ha- half hour, and um, he came up to me at one point, he goes, Stu, you know, I just want to like be honest with you, he's a really good guy, Rob, we love you, and he goes, I'm going to change my story a little bit. He's like, I'm going to make it more about Fergie and have your your fantasy camp in the background, but also tell you about your charity. But because I got so much input from Fergie, I think there'll be a better story. I said, Rob, you do whatever you want to do, whatever's best for you and what your story I'm down with. And if anything that I'm associated with Fergie Jenkins is great for me, you know, like I, I love the, I love the man, you know. So then there was an article that was put out and it was a great article. It was mostly about Fergie, but it was exactly what he said he was going to do. And it posted it up, and it was, like, awesome. You know, I was really proud of it. I was really proud of it. I've got copies of it, and we're, I'm going to hope to get one framed at one point. But now the story kind of sucks. 
So, anyways, we retweet that out there. I think Crowley retweeted out about something about, oh, Fergie Jenkins awesome, big part of Club 400. And Brad, the guy behind, like, not everybody, all these guys runs their social media accounts. They have their agents and people that represent them do it. You know, represents him on his social media. Comes back and says, uh, we don't know anything about Club 400. That was a paid appearance. We wish your charity the best. Now, there is no reason to do that at all. Because first of all... First of all, it's a lie. Like, I, I just want to ask you something. Real easy question here, William. When you're getting paid to represent someone, should you not represent them to the person's expectations and likes? So for some reason, Brad, you know, maybe because he didn't close the deal or didn't get as much money as Fergie that he wanted to, basically cut him out of the golfing. And like, and then it, not only that, but he put up a complete shield with my contact with Fergie and so forth and so on. And, and you know what? Bottom line is I care about Fergie and I care about him as a person. And I'm not the only person that thinks this. I'm just the first person publicly staying this. Like this guy should not be representing Fergie Jenkins, bottom line. And, and, and you know, he, he's blocking me. Are you being honest with you? Like, I, I feel like I'm a great part of Fergie's life. And, you know, something, you know, we're like the unofficial charity of the Cubs. I'm like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like I said, the guy wouldn't look me in the face. And I don't like people taking advantage of people. Fergie is a Hall of Famer in this town. He's an unbelievable person. And he does not need people taking advantage of him. And that is it, William. The question I have is, is he a big guy, this Brad? Nobody I couldn't handle, pal. All right. Because I was going to say, <laughs> we could get Team Club 400. We could get these sweaty boys. Brad wants to come and sit and talk to me. That's fine. But, yeah. like, you know, talk to my face. Like, that's another thing. If you got a problem with me, come to my face. Don't talk behind my back and then block. I'm saying street fight. That's I'm just I'm telling you, like, street fighter respect too. me and respect Fergie. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best pitchers this town has ever seen. And, you know, I'm sorry, but I, it's just too obvious to not say something about. Right. I hear you. And maybe I shouldn't even be going here, but it is what it is. I shouldn't be getting blocked by Fergie, a friend of mine, no, because of his representation as, an, I don't know what his problem is, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't hang out with him, let's put it that way. I, but if he I, wants to come talk to me, I'll be available open, anytime. Yeah. Open and available. Meet you at Output Saturday night, okay, 5 <laughs> o'clock. Brad. Meanwhile, we're going to transition into uh, the Christmas gr- party. great Q&A <laughs> that we had. So we now Christmas. have some cheer here after yeah, that yes, fucking rant after there? after that rant. Uh, so that's all we have for the live part of this one. You're really closing this one down. That's it you got? All right, here it is, guys, live at our December 9th Club 400 Christmas party featuring Mike Talkman, John Maley, our Q&A with our host for the evening, John Maley. Enjoy the great Q&A. Mike Talkman was awesome. This is great. And now they, you see all these people walking around with the Q-tips hanging from their earlobes? What are those? The, the iPods, right? I, I don't do iPods. I don't. I, I'm a. I'm come from you know the Walkman, right? You had the Walkman. You clipped it to your belt, the cord, and everything, right? I don't do iPods, right? And what are these people listening to? They're listening to podcasts, right? I know my favorite podcast is Club 400 podcast, right? Stories about Cub fans. I put that on in my Walkman. Right? 
Could the person collecting money for the raffle tickets please report to the Mike, put the, uh, go through what was going through your mind there when you caught that ball. <laughs> um, so, you know, on, on, on a play like that, I, I guess the first thing's first. My read wasn't that great. The ball was traveling, uh, it was like 100 degrees in St. Louis that weekend. Um, so the ball was traveling like a lot more than normal. So, um, you know, you're kind of taught as an outfielder to, like, go to where you think the ball is going to land. And I actually kind of misread it a little bit. I did not think it was going to get that far. So, um, you know, fortunately, a lot of these warning tracks are around the same size. And I kind of know once I feel the warning track about how many steps and then when I kind of got a jump uh, timing I have. But, you know, at first I thought I was going to catch it right at the edge of the warning track. And it just kind of kept going. And I was in my head, I was kind of like, oh, boy. Um, and, you know, you kind of hit that, that, that spot. Um, you know, timing-wise, where the warning bells start to go off, and it's like, I better get up. And, you know, fortunately, uh, I was able to make the uh, catch, and then I kind of blacked out after that. And, uh, <laughs> and then um, Christopher Morell, who's crazy, hit me with, like, four different Gatorade bass, and I didn't, I didn't, like, throw my glove away, so, like, my glove was just soaked in water, and, like, the ammonia towels he threw at me, and the Gatorade he threw at me, and, like, everything. So, I mean, it was an awesome experience, and it was, it was, it was really cool. I was fortunate to, you know, be in that position, but, um, you know, it's cool to do, when, it's cool when you get the chance to do cool things, so. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and being from, you know, the Chicago area, or, you know, in, within this area, and, Getting a chance to go sign with the Cubbies in the offseason, go to AAA. He was with me in Iowa. And I remember sitting there with you, and we're just looking at you going, what, what are you doing here? You know? and, and he won't say that, but I'm looking at him going, what are you doing here? You know, because he's just talented the league. And, and he's a better center fielder than people gave him, because I, I read some reports coming in that it was an average center fielder. But I'm watching the game in Iowa. You know, an outfielder's good when the ball is hit, and you look up, and the outfielder's already running. So you're watching the hitter hit, and you look up, and he was already Routes, he communicates with, with his teammates out there, so he's definitely better out there. So none of us were surprised when he caught this. And I remember our clubhouse in Iowa after he caught it, and we went nuts. Because it basically allowed us to continue to keep pushing forward. The young guys think they now have a chance to go up to the big leagues and make an impact in a pennant contending club. So it sent, you know, waves all the way through the whole system for us. And that was a local guy, Mikey, that did that for you all. Does anybody, as we go through this, have a question for Mike on this subject here before I let him talk about himself a little bit? Yes, sir. Um, yeah. Um, I think context, uh, contextually, it was, it was probably the most important one. Um, I made a, uh, a catch that it didn't, end the game, but it extended the game in um, Los Angeles one year when I was playing for the Giants. Uh, it would have been a walk-off home run. Um, and uh, But I think that just from an emotional standpoint, I think this one probably is, is you know, it's, I don't like to rank things, but, like, yeah, it's probably number one. <laughs> Good answer, especially in this environment, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so Mike grew up in this area. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you went to high school and you went to Bradley and then just how you got drafted and got in and then how did you, what was your story 
through the Yankees and ended up with the Cubs? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, grew, I grew up in Palatine. Uh, my parents still live there now. <laughs> A couple Palatine people here. Um, and, uh, you know, I went to, I, uh, I went to Fremd, and then um, I uh, um, loved baseball my whole life, played baseball my whole life. Um, you know, got the opportunity to, uh, you know, uh, get a scholarship down at uh, Bradley University down in Peoria. And, um, you know, spent four years there. Uh, ended up uh, having a, a pretty good senior year. Got drafted by the Rockies. And I spent um, six years there. Uh, made my uh, Major League debut with the, with the Rockies. Um, was kind of up and down, honestly, a little bit. Um, and then got traded over the Yankees right as spring training was ended in 2019. Spent a couple years there. Um, you know, had a pretty good year in 2019. Obviously, you know, 2020 came and kind of threw everything into, uh, you know, chaos. And um, dealt with some injury stuff and, and ended up getting traded to San Francisco in uh, April of 2021. I was there a little bit. Really, really didn't play well. Really struggled. And, you know, that's part of it. Um, you know, uh, a lot of success initially for, for young players especially is is you know there's an element of luck and there's an element of opportunity and just you know some some timing uh and i actually spent 2022 i spent uh in south korea playing in the uh, korean baseball organization over there um kind of thought i was going to go back and um somebody that helped me uh develop myself as i was already playing is this guy named justin stone who uh owns a facility out in um Chicago and we'd worked together for years and when when he uh now he works for the Cubs in the front office and when um when it was like hey I'm not going back to the or uh Korea you know I I'd been able to accomplish a lot in my career and I and I felt good about um you know that but I never gotten the opportunity to play at Wrigley Field um just one reason or another it just never lined up so and that was a team that I rooted for growing up as a kid so I thought you know I have no expectations, but if they, it would be great. Even if I'm in Iowa all year, that's four hours from home. I've never been more than like, I've never been less than like 10 hours from home during a season. So, um, you know, really tried to make that happen. And, uh, you know, it kind of came about. And, um, you know, so, so my first opportunity to play uh, at Wrigley Field was playing, you know, top of the first inning, playing center field for the Cubs. And, uh, you know, Every day in the big leagues is special, but like that's definitely something that I, when I got out there, took an extra second and tried to, tried to take it all in. And then you know you got a ball game to play, so you can't you know you can't be too sentimental for too long. But um, you know, ended up having a blast this year with the guys. It was an awesome group, and you know, I, I it was, it was gut wrenching for us at the end. Um, you know, guys gave it everything they had through 162, and it just didn't work out. You know, and that happens sometimes, but. I think we got a really motivated group, and you know I think a lot of guys are going to remember that and use that as fuel and as motivation. And um, you know I think we're ready to um, you know just come out the gates hot in uh, 2024. Well said, Mike. What about what are the fans like? <clears throat> what was the difference for you in New York when you're running around center field for the Yankees, and then you? come to the Cubs and you notice just the difference in the fans. Is there anything that sticks out to you, the difference between Cub fans and Yankee fans? Yeah. Um, Yankee fans are... Um, 
So he's being very uh, politically <laughs> correct. Um, you can tell the truth, Mike. No, I didn't say no. um, You know, they're, they're, they're great, but, I mean, you want, if you want to talk about, uh, you know, riding the wave, you know, if, if, if you win, it's we're going to the World Series, and if you lose, we're all a bunch of bums who should never step f- foot on a field again. Um, which, you know, you know going in, so it is what it is. But, um, man, that first warm day game on the weekend at Wrigley, like, that was – I mean, it was crazy, and, you know, I got to kill time in the outfield. So, you know, I, I, I scan the bleachers. I see people having a great time. See all, I'll, I see all kinds of people. You know, you see people look like they're in their 80s out in the bleachers. You're like, probably been coming to games for 60 years. You know, you see uh, family where it's like it might be this kid's first game. Like, I still remember my first time going to Wrigley Field. Um, and, you know, it's just – it's such it's, – it's just got a little bit of a different vibe, and, and it's, it's, you know – you never have a bad time going to Wrigley Field to watch the Cubs play. So, Perfect. Anybody have any questions for Mike? Mike, you guys were, I think, after the Angels series, you were 10 games under 500. All this talk about selling the team off. What were you guys talking about in the clubhouse, and, and were you kind of hearing some of that chatter? And, and you, you know, that catch that you made was a, a pivotal catch when it came to the decision not to at the deadline. So was there anyone in the clubhouse that was kind of pushing you guys to kind of say, hey, we're not out of this. We can turn this around. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, that, that, was, that was the first road trip that I took when I, when I got called up. So, um, you know, the season's really, really long. And from my, my perspective right away was, I was like, man, we're having a lot of good at-bats and just not getting the puck luck that we should be getting. So it's like, you felt like this is going, we're going to make a streak here. And I think that that's a credit to um, the coaching staff that we have and the, just the personalities in the room, uh, players-wise, that was like, hey, like, we're good players. And it's going to turn. And when it turns, everybody better watch out. And, you know, it's... Um, you know, we, we knew especially uh, – I mean, I knew because I'd been to London before, but I was like, if we can grind through this two weeks post-London because it's really hard to make that adjustment back and, and, and you, you're losing off days and stuff. I was like, if we can get through that and get to the All-Star break, we're going to come out the gates hot. And that's kind of more or less what ended up happening. And, um, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was I, think, I think that's – I think that's the version of the team that we all believe that we can bring out on a consistent basis. Who was the toughest pitcher you faced this year? Toughest pitcher I faced? Um, I, re- I really don't like facing Aaron Nola. And I don't know if it's like a JTO Riomuto thing or Aaron Nola thing, but it's like I, I, I typically feel like I have a pretty good gauge of like what a pitcher is going to try to do once he starts showing me what he wants to do. And, like, I've faced him in the past, and, and I, I finally got, like, a soft single off him this year. But it's like, I'm so wrong every time <laughs> on, like, what I think he's going to throw. And, it's, and, and, and like, I, I mean, JT Ramuto is one of the best catchers in the game. Aaron Noah is one of the best pitchers in the game. But however, whatever wavelength they're thinking on, I'm on the polar opposite one. So it's almost like, what's the least, wh- what do I think, maybe next time, what do I not think he's going to throw? And then just go sit on that. Thank you. Anybody? Uh, another question for Mike? Anybody? How did you feel about taking the start that you've been giving off at times? You know, um, 
I don't mind because it's like I just want to be in the lineup. Like I'll hit first, second, third, ninth, tenth. Like you just want to hit tenth, you know? Because like, uh, um, but I would say that like, um, you really only like lead off the game once, and then it's just the order is gonna go as it goes. And I think that if you get caught up in things like where I'm hitting in the order, and then I try to be what is perceived as like a certain type of way you know, that's just going to kind of pigeonhole you a little bit. Like, whether you're hitting first, whether you're hitting eighth, whether you're hitting sixth, it's like, I'm trying to get a good pitch to hit. I'm trying to put a good swing on it and, you know, produce some sort of positive result. And, you know, it's, it's sort of, you know, that's, that's not really, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to do the same thing no matter what. My name is uh, Joe. What's up, Joe? What's up? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, how did you feel when the Cubs signed Craig Council? Like, what was your opinion? Um, it's crazy because, um, I mean, the first thing I'll say is that I, um, you know, I had I had a phenomenal relationship, and I have a lot of, you know, love and respect for David Ross. Um, you know, we we clicked in spring training, and you know, that's like. I, w I was on a different continent playing baseball last year. And for him to believe in me, for him to give me the opportunities that he did, um, that's something that I'm, you know, incredibly grateful for. Um, so uh, I think like everybody else, it was kind of a surprise when, uh, you know, Craig got hired. And obviously his reputation uh, precedes himself as, you know, being somebody who, you know, is, is at the top of uh, his game and, um, you know, the managers across baseball. Uh, it's funny because he got hired and a buddy texted me, he goes, counsel? I was like, well, what about him? <laughs> and I go, I go on my phone and I'm like, oh my God. But then it was like, I was leaving for Italy for two weeks the next day. So it was like all this Cubs, crazy Cubs news broke and I like left the country. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm looking forward to meeting him. I'm looking forward to, um, you know, just kind of starting that process of, of you know, building, building the, uh, the clubhouse and stuff in spring training because that's kind of when it starts. And, um, you know, I think everybody's kind of just excited to get to work. Great Good question. question. Any other questions for Mike? We got him. What's it like to pick up Jimmy Garoppolo? That's, yeah, um, so obviously, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is another local guy. And um, uh, when he was a junior in high school, so 15 years ago, um, uh, played against him in, in a high school football game. Uh, and uh, yeah, he was at Rolling Meadows High School. And, um, you know, I was out for Northwest Suburbs, suburban high school football, I was a good player. That was my ceiling, like, but uh, had an opportunity to, uh, you know, he threw a route, and I had a feeling he was going to throw it, and I jumped it, and, um, yeah, picked him up, and then, you know, he went on to, to be an incredible <laughs> quarterback in the NFL. I'm sure there's, you know, I'm sure there's some guy that's, you know, having a great Saturday night, and he's an insurance salesman, and he struck out Mike Trout when they were 13 years old, and he's going to tell everybody for the rest of his life that he did that, so... You know, uh, I guess that's my my version of that of that. Mike, you know, we love John Mayer here at Club 400. 
Yeah. Um, so the first thing is that the first thing that I'll say is if you make it to the big leagues, your swing's probably pretty good. Like, so there's a lot less maybe mechanical things that go on on a day-to-day -day basis than than you might than maybe you would uh, suspect. But um, what males does that's really elite in my opinion is the first things first is every interaction with him is always, it's never a um, lecture. It's always a, a collaboration, it's always a conversation. Because every single person perceives fe and, and feels things differently. So being able to communicate similar ideas or being able to com communicate different things with a lot of different people is a skill in itself, and I think he does a nice job of that. Uh, I think also um, hitting is incredibly difficult. So to feel like your hitting coach is in the foxhole with you is an incredible feeling. Like when, when, when I was in Iowa and when we were together, when our team's hitting, he's on the top step of the dugout. He's in there with you. He's as close to the batter's box as he could possibly be that like they'll allow him to be. <laughs> and... Um, I guess two more things. One, uh, one is that, like, being – there are guys that played this game that, that sometimes the longer they're away from the game, they can forget how hard it is. Because you can always see it on TV, like, it was right down the middle. Everybody – I mean, everybody played baseball. Everybody's played baseball or softball or t-ball or whatever. It was right down the middle. Like, what are you, what are you looking for? <laughs> it's not that easy. I wish it was. I wish it was. Um, so – Never forgetting how hard this game is, is I think an incredibly valuable trait in a hitting coach as well. And, and just the last thing I'll say is the advanced preparation second to none. Um, because what we're doing out there is we're essentially playing blackjack and, or we're playing poker. And it's like, you can't go up there trying to hit it big every single time. You can't go up there trying to do everything and cover everything and cover the entire strike zone all the time. So being able to filter information, being able to distribute information, that's, that's what makes team offense really good when, when all nine guys in the lineup are on the same page and attacking the pitcher in the same way. That's what, and, and, and I've been very fortunate to be a part of some really, really good lineups over the years, that's what they all have in common is, is everybody's attacking the pitcher the same way. And I, th I think Males does a phenomenal job with everything that I just said. Thank you, Michael. No problem. Uh, that's a great question. Um, so, the, um, I mean, obviously, like, uh, Korean is unlike any other language that I've ever heard. It's an incredibly difficult language to um, speak and understand. So, just going over there and missing, my teammates were all wonderful. Everybody on my team was really, really nice. But just being able to, be, not being able to go into the clubhouse and, like, mess around with the boys. Like, that's such a big part of what we do, and it's, it's so important. So not having that was definitely a difficult adjustment. And then, you know, there, was, there were some things stylistically that they do differently. Um, but, um, you know, it's like, it's like anything else. You eventually kind of start to pick up, well, this is kind of how these guys do things. This is kind of how these guys do things. And you kind of make those adjustments. And I think there's only 10 teams in that league, so you play the other teams a lot, so you can kind of start to pick that up fast. Um, and
And I really try, like everything that, everybody that I spoke to that had been over there just talked about embracing the culture. Because it's different. And, um, you know, that's okay. But the guys that shy away from embracing it had a hard time. And, you know, I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed my time over here. The biggest thing for me was the velocity coming back that I was nervous about. And um, because there's just not that many power arms in that league. Um, it's a lot more deception. So coming back, um, like the second day of at-bats in spring training, I was facing one of our uh, left-handed pitchers, Brendan Little. And he was throwing, and I couldn't even see the ball. And I was like, oh, my God, if I, like, look tomorrow, and that's, like, 91 miles an hour, like, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> And it was like 98, so I was like, oh, thank God. Like, I, okay, like I can still like see the ball. So, um, you know, I think, I think here in, in today's game with offense, guys are trying to beat you with stuff. So you got to be ready for stuff. You got to be ready for high velocity. And, you know, everything I think filters down off that. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes. Who were some of your favorite coaches growing up? Oh, my dad's? Uh, I mean, <laughs> Uh, my dad, my dad liked like Ron Santo and Fergie Jenkins, um, and Ernie Banks. Uh, you know, those were his guys. Anybody else I'm missing? <laughs> Billy Williams, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. Uh, um, so, so I was born. So I was born in 1990. So obviously, I'm I'm eight years old in 1998 when Sammy Sosa and, and Mark McGuire are doing their thing. That's the first time I went to Wrigley was that year. Um, Sammy did not hit a homer that day. That's okay. And, but, like, if you're, if, you're like, if you're eight years old in Chicago in 1998 and you don't have your, like, impersonation of Sammy Sosa hop, like, you weren't doing it right. So, like, um, you know, that was awesome. Uh, loved Kerry Wood. Um, we, uh, I got the chance to meet him a few years back. Really, really nice guy. Um, but that, yeah, I mean, I know it didn't end the way that everybody wanted to, but like, I, we had such a blast in, uh, 2003 with that playoff run. Um, my, like my grandfather had like an old, like, um, like air raid siren. So like every time the Cubs would, we just like cranked that thing through the neighborhood and, like, and so that was a blast. That was a great memory that I had growing up watching the team. So, um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yes. Um, so it's really funny to ask that because like, um, I know like the Texas got a lot of publicity for like blasting Creed and stuff like that. We were doing that in like July in June. <laughs> so like, that's super messed up that like they got like, they came to the games and stuff and like, you know, um, but, um, that's okay. We got Eddie Vedder. Yeah, that's true. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, I got to meet him. He was awesome. It was really exciting to get to meet him because I love Pearl Jam too. Um, you know, I just, I, uh, it's so dependent on just how it's going. You know, when it's going bad, it's, it, I don't listen to anything. I just, it's silence. Like, you know, I drive home and it's like, it didn't go well today. I really hope traffic outside the stadium's not bad and I can just get home. How'd you pick out your walkout song? Um, honestly, I, 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 my, my, my walkout song guy, cause he loves doing it is Aaron judge. And I sent him a text. I was like, Wrigley's going to be rocking this weekend. I need something. Give me something. He sent me like seven songs <laughs> and he's like, pick from the, I picked both, like both the ones they play for me were, were given to me by him. 
yeah, so. Yes. Um, you know, it, it was, it was great because I felt like, like going to Iowa, it was like, I got to develop some relationships with all the guys there. And then when I went up, I was able to, you know, develop some relationships with guys there. And then guys that were coming up, I was also close with. So, um, I, I mean, you can't not love Jared Young. He's like one of the nicest guys I've ever met, Canadian guy. Um, so me and him, me and him were tight. And I saw, um, some of myself and him when he was when I was a younger player just try so so I had a lot of people that helped me um when I was a young player so it's like if I could do that for him that'd be great but um you know it's a great clubhouse uh right now going out to Wrigley a couple days a week and uh, to work out and um you know uh Jameson Tyon's been in and we have a good relationship we knew each other from back with the Yankees um Nico and Hap have been in a little bit this week they're both you know great guys um it's just a really good group. It's just a really good group. And, you know, I thought we got together. I thought we got along together great. Um, you know, our bus rides to and from the airport. Uh, we were always vibing. It was awesome. So it was just a, just a really, like, great group of people. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly not a great guy for that. Cause like, I haven't been here. I have not spent a summer in Chicago till this year since like I was like 17 years. So like, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to learn too, man. Like if you need a place in Arlington Heights, I can help you out. But like downtown, like not so much, man. Not so much. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah. Um, Danny, our clubhouse uh, guy, called me about a week after I signed and said, uh, you can have 40 or like 63. <laughs> I said, is there anything lower? He said, no, 40. Um... I've seen it happen, yeah. Uh, when I was in, when Garrett Cole got signed by the Yankees, uh, I guess he's always been number 45. Luke Voigt was number 45. So um, they had an arrangement where um, uh, Luke gave him that number. I, I've seen it a little bit. Uh, uh, Quas actually wanted 74, weirdly enough. So Jared Young switched. Uh, that number has some special meaning to him, apparently. So it happens. Um, so on the buses, um, you know, I mean, especially after a big win, you know, the music will be playing, uh, guys will be having a good time, you know, um, it's really nice with the police escort, uh, get, getting to O'Hare. Uh, on the plane, you know, I mean, some guys play, uh, play some cards, some guys sleep, you know, some guys, um, you know, just kind of hang out. We had, um... 
It was like myself. Uh, Marcus Stroman got us all Nintendo Switches for our flight to London, which was really nice. So we had a nice little uh, Mario Kart gang in the back with like myself and uh, myself and Jameson Tyon and Dansby and Patrick Wisdom. Uh, and we would, and sometimes Jan too, but then he'd get frustrated and we don't want to play anymore. <laughs> Uh, it's like an unofficial official seats. Yeah, I mean by by like the f you know thirtieth flight, it's like uh, this is where I sit. So, yeah, yeah. Man, I was in Venezuela. I was playing winter ball in Venezuela, and um, it's like game seven, and we had just finished our game, and we went to this like chicken shack restaurant and they had an 11 inch TV with the game and so I'm, we're watching the game and um, there was a couple guys on the team on my winter ball team that uh, were in the Indian system at the time, Guardians now so they were like getting hyped when Rajay Davis hit that home run and right when they put the tarp on it was like we got a 30 minute like bus back to the hotel so they're like hauling back to the hotel and I don't have any cell phone service. And we, I, like, we get in the hotel. We, like, run inside. They have a huge projector in the hotel lobby. And it's, like, everybody's spilling out of the dugout, and the Cubs just won. So I had, like, no context or anything. I called my dad on FaceTime. And he's like, Mike, it's, like, it's 1 in the morning. And, like, I ran out in the street, and I don't know what to do. And... He's telling the story now. Yeah. And like, and, like, he didn't go to work for, like, three days. <laughs> But, but, yeah, I wasn't even in the country, man. Yeah. Crazy. Were you aware that many Cub fans were calling last summer the summer of Mike Todd? Were you aware of this? Uh, I saw the shirts. Um, yeah, I saw, I, saw the, uh, I saw the Pounder shirts, and I saw the uh, summer of Mike Talkman shirts. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's great. And, you know, it seemed like it was something that uh, some of the guys enjoy. They enjoy, they love the shirts. So, you know, that was cool. Uh, you know, I think it's a, I don't know, a little bit like a faux pas to wear your own shirt, you know. But, like, I was happy to go, hey, guys, like, they sent these to me. Please help yourselves. Um, but it was cool. I mean, it was a great time, like I said, like, getting the opportunity to, to live at home and play for the team that I grew up rooting for. Like, I mean, what could be better, you know. Okay, we've got time for two more questions. So, I don't think we had any big-time prank guys uh, with this team, but when I was with the Yankees, Brett Gardner was a big fan of the prank. Uh, one of my favorites that he would ever – his way of uh, – what he would do, would he would prank – if, if rookies started getting a little too fresh or young players, instead of, like, hazing them, he would just kind of prank them a little bit. So he had, one, he had one target that he really liked, and he found out what his apartment key looked like, and he made, like, 50 copies of it and put it all on the same key ring. So it was, like, after the game, like, the guy couldn't – he, like, had to try <laughs> – every single key to try to get into his apartment. So that was, that was always like the, 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 the simplicity of that one was just kind of one that I really liked over the years. Maybe I'll have to save that one for one day. Last question. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so like I like like my my participation in sports was always very seasonal. So you know, I play baseball in the summer. I played I played like youth football one time. Played soccer a year or two. I would play basketball in the winter time. Um, I loved all sports, and um, I think when I was 11 is when they started having like the quote unquote like permanent travel team, is is kind of like uh, what we called it. But it was it was very localized to Palatine. We were called the Palatine Travelers, and um, you know, I, I it was it was kind of just before it started being like pulling kind of kids from just all over the place to play. And I would say we play about 50, 60 games in the summertime, mostly weekend tournaments and stuff. And I mean, the thing about it, I loved about it was, it, I mean, it was a blast because it was like guys that I knew and, it, and we all like lived near each other. And, um, you know, I, I always, I, I, I'm a big believer in like, it's supposed to be fun. Like when you're a kid playing baseball, it's supposed to be fun. And, and, you know, I've, over the years, you know, when I was a minor league I would do lessons all off season. I would work with guys. I would do this. I would do this. I would do that. And it's like, you know, do you, do you like baseball? You're 12 years old. You should like it. And if you're really good, if you're still good when you're 16 years old, then I'll give you a lesson. Because then maybe you hit puberty. Or maybe you've done this. But, like, go out and play and have fun and enjoy it and learn the game. Like, that's what I did. I went out and learned the game. And I would like, you know, I would go out and I'd pitch to my dad on the sidewalk and I'd skip fastballs and try not to hit him in the shin, you know, and he'd catch or he'd throw me batting practice or we'd play wiffle ball or whatever it is. But it was always, it, it's, I, I just, it's supposed to be fun. It's, it's, and, and, and I'm about as competitive as a kid as you would, and I wanted to win. Like I wanted to win and that was important to me. Um, but I had a blast. And I think that's the biggest thing for youth is like, I fell in love with the game when I was a kid, and that's continued. And, you know, who knows if, 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 if I would have been pushed to specialize or pushed to do this or forced to do this. Who really knows? But I always played baseball because I loved it. I played baseball because I wanted to. So I don't know if that super answers your question, but that's my take. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, thank you. Thank you very much. Ike's got to sing uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game with the Cubs organist because I had to do it before. Now you got to do right. it. Only if all you guys do it with me, okay? Everybody. Yeah. All, right. all right, here we go. And a one, a two, a three. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. If I ever get back for a screw for the Cubbies If they don't win, it's a shame Or it's one, two, three strikes You're out at the old ball game Yeah! Let's get some runs! The one to the tune of Jingle Bells. It's about our new manager, Craig Council. Good thing we're not doing it in front of uh, Mike Talkman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Craig Council, Craig Council, managing the game. 
Oh, how great it is to have a manager with a brain. Oh, Craig Council, Craig Council, managing the game. Wonder if he is still mad about the time it didn't rain. Chad got the phone and called manager Craig. Said I got the dough to blow other teams away. Come and win a ring. 40 mil for five. From your house to Wrigley Fields under a two-hour drive. Oh, Craig Council, Craig Council, managing the game. Oh, how great it is to have a manager with a brain. Oh, Craig Council, Craig Council, managing the game. Wonder if he is still mad about the time it didn't rain. One more time. Wonder if he is still mad about the time it didn't rain.